Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. We have a few topics we're going to be covering today, but I want to start off, first of all, by uh, uh, extending my condolences to uh, the Dorothy Hollingsworth family. She was funeralized uh, at First AME Church uh, this morning. I did attend for some of the service and uh, a very stellar person. And I just want people to know to keep that family in your hearts. Uh, the first part of the program is going to be about the Garfield Centennial, which uh, uh, the ch chair of the Centennial Committee, Lynn Jaffe, says they started planning in 2017. Uh, and we know what happened uh, 2020 and 2021. Uh, so, Lynn, why don't you give our, uh, our listeners an overview of what they can expect on Saturday uh, at uh, the Centennial? Well, the Centennial celebration is being held at Garfield on the athletic field in the gym, in the Quincy Jones Performance Center and on the first floor of the main building. Um, there's gonna be seven food trucks down in the parking area. There's gonna be music in different locations throughout the area. Um, entertainment's gonna be great. Barney Hilliard has been in charge of that and doing an excellent job. Uh, we have a formal program that's happening at one o'clock in the gym, doors open at 12.30 and all are invited. Uh, it, it's gonna be, the, the mayor is the MC. Uh, Bruce Harrell has, is one of four generations that have gar graduated from Garfield. Um, we have the um, court commissioner who's gonna speak and a number of other people. It's it's just going to be an amazing thing. We've put this off and put it up, postponed it, and it's hard to believe it's really going to happen, but it is. Day after tomorrow, 9.30 to 5. Okay, Lynn, I just want to fill in some of the folks. Uh, you mentioned uh, Bruce Hill also made remarks at uh, Sister Dor uh, Dorothy Hollingsworth's uh, service this uh, morning, but also uh, the new principal at Garfield is Dr. Terrence Hart. He'll do a welcome. And then naturally the events, uh, the centennial event chair, Lynn Jaffe will have her remarks. Uh, the Seattle's public school superintendent, Dr. Brent Jones will speak. Uh, the Garfield Golden Grass Hall of Fame honoree, Dr. Carver Gayton. He was out of the class of 56. Uh, Dr. Brent Jones did go to Franklin. So I just want to throw that out there as well. And then the Golden Grass Hall of Fame honoree, John Bridge, who has really been helpful in a lot of different com community organizations. And assistant superintendent, uh, former Garfield principal, Ted Howard, who was an 85 Bulldog and also was a principal of Garfield for 13 years, Lynn? I think it was 15. Maybe 15. And he was also involved with, uh, like he's the principal who was involved with the Golden, uh, with the, the Centennial event because he was in all the meetings up until uh, Ms., uh, Dr. Juno, Juno did what she did. And then also we have a student speaker, LaCale Bridges. She would be a, a 23 graduate from Garfield. Uh, now I want to go to Ross Flowers for a minute. To have him share at his times in Garfield, uh, he was a student body uh, chair or president from 1988 to 89, and he had a lot of other accomplishments uh, as an athlete. And I like just like to have Ross uh, talk about his his time in Garfield. Oh, I love my time at Garfield. Um, I mean, from 1985 to 1989, it was one. I think I started my uh, time at Garfield in probably one of the longest academic years ever in Seattle history, because I started a private school and then went to a public school and our public schools were on strike that year. So I was in school for about uh, almost 10 and a half, 11 months. 
<laughs> but uh, no, Gar Garfield was a wonderful experience for me to uh, not only go to one of the, if not the best high school in the state with so many national merit scholars and a great math and science program, uh, but I was able to attend school with many of my friends that I played sports with uh, and had the opportunity, as you just mentioned, to be ASB president uh, my senior year and, uh, and had, of course, a great athletic career playing both basketball and running track. Uh, your father, uh, Bob Flowers, we can't leave him out. He also is in the, a Golden Grad Hall of Famer as well. Uh, you, you, got, you guys got started early in uh, the athletics and track and stuff. Why don't you just share some of that stuff right before you got to Garfield? The guys are prepared to be the, uh, the Metro champion and the state champion. Yeah, well, so uh, played a lot of sports growing up, you know, soccer, basketball. I never played baseball, which my dad was very good in. But um, I started off running track pretty early. So I, at that time, they had uh, it was called TAC. This was before USATF, USA Track and Field. But uh, they had an age group called 10 and under. And so I started when I was six. So I was in 10 and under for four years. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> um, my, my very first competition, I had a uniform that was too big for me. And we ran we ran 50 yards back then. And uh, my mom did the very, very best she could to pin that jersey up on my shoulders and pin the shorts around my waist with every safety pin she probably could find in the house at the time. And as soon as, you know, the, the, the starter pistol went off, I think I broke all those safety pins. So okay. I'm running the majority of the race with one arm holding my shirt, the other arm holding my shorts, trying to get across the line. You know, fortunately for, at that time I won the race. So uh, it, it, it set off a, a very good feeling inside that I pursued for another 25 years. Um, and, and so by the time I got to Garfield, I'd won a number of not only uh, city, but uh, national championships as a long jumper, a sprinter, and a hurdler. Uh, so I was pretty confident coming into Garfield with the advanced coaching that I had in, in Coach Fred Beckwith and Coach Frank Ahern that uh, I would, you know, do even better and, and see my talents uh, just blossom, which they did. Ended up, you know, winning two state titles, setting the state record, which still stands for a junior in the state of Washington in the 110-meter hurdles. Um, won the four-by-one relay multiple years. Uh, and, you know, was able to go on and get a, a full ride to UCLA on a track scholarship. So had a wonderful track and field career uh, that started, you know, very early. <laughs> now, did you ever try for the Olympics? So I went to trials. Uh, I went to world championship trials uh, and, uh, and one Olympic trials, but I was injured. So didn't fare very well. My, my best my best year, I, I, I was I finished about top 15 in the U.S., which wow. at that time was decent. I could travel internationally, running the B circuit, um, made a little bit of money, but I could also make just as much money working at a fast food restaurant. So I decided to come home and go back to graduate school and uh, get an advanced degree in sports psychology. And who are some of your clients, uh, if you can reveal that? So uh, I, I work with a, a wide swath of clients from youth in the community uh, to professional sports, to still Olympic athletes, I uh, had some athletes who just competed in world championships in track and field and did very well. Um, I've worked with professional baseball, professional football, professional basketball, uh, and worked quite a bit with our military veterans. Uh, so with, with that gamut of people that I work with, it really uh, keeps me intrigued, challenged, and, uh, and interested in the work that I do as both a psychologist and sports psychologist. 
Now, why don't you uh, share with our listeners some of the folks that you went to Garfield with, some of your classmates, some of the people you were there with? Wow, now you're going to test my memory. <laughs> oh, wait. I have, you know Luther Carr Jr. I have a shorter memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of the people that stand out are people that I'm closest to this day. Um, Bruce, Bruce Struthers. Uh, he was, is, has been a fantastic attorney, worked with a variety of different companies um, from Pac Bell to Coca-Cola and Minute Maid. Uh, he's worked at Microsoft and now uh, runs a state farm business there in Washington. Um, Jamal Powell. So Bruce at Garfield, Bruce played football uh, and ran track. Uh, Jamal Powell uh, played football until he broke his ankle and realized he's a basketball player and stayed with basketball. Uh, of course, Luther Carr, son of Luther Carr Jr. Uh, Luther Carr III was my classmate, played football and ran track. Uh, let's see, Jeffrey Staten was a basketball player. Um, before us, I remember, uh, I can't remember the year exactly, but we won state, I think it was 85, 86 year uh, with Mark Phillips, Jason, um, Jason Jones, um, Hot Rod, what was Rodney's last? Rodney Jackson. Yeah. Um, KJ. Skip Phillips on the team. What's that? Skip Phillips running for Garfield. Mark Phillips was on the team. Peller Phillips was on the team. They were both, of course, on the track and field team. I think they both still hold state records, marking the 300 hurdles and Peller in the long jump. Um, they, we, we had a lot of talent when I was there, from basketball to track. Uh, our football team had, had a lot of talent, but uh, the reason why I never went out was because they were always hurt at practice. So they couldn't play very well in the games. I was like, man, I'm not going out there. not breaking my ankles. <laughs> well, I'm going to go back to Lynn. Uh, I just want to share with our listeners some of the, what they can expect. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, the Garfield student musicians will be playing from 2.30 to 3.30. Uh, there's also Dave Holden, who's a 56 alumni. His band will be playing. Uh, Maria Santel, and there are different venues for this music. So it'll be like in different places. Uh, there will be many reunions uh, by decades uh, from 9.30 to 11. And then at, uh, we mentioned about this 1 p.m. event, which will be in the gym that uh, the mayor, Bruce Harrell, is going to be uh, 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 emceeing. And uh, the drum line will be out 12.30 to 1. The student background music will be out 12.30 to 1. And... Uh, there's going to be uh, the student will do some lunch music or at the flagpole arena from 12 to one. So uh, it's a lot for, for people to see. Uh, it's a, a, a glorious uh, day to be celebrating after we waited all this time to, to actually do that celebration. I want to go back to Lynn. Lynn, I would like to have you talk about some of the folks who've been working with you on the executive committee. Well, the top of the list is Eddie. <laughs> Carver Gayton, Barney Hilliard, um, Pat, Pat Mouton, and um, Julie uh, Meacham, and Maureen, and class of 64 has sure had a lot of um, members involved in this, and it seemed to be, you know, and they are some of the younger ones of the Garfield Golden Grads. And uh, the executive committee, it's been tough, but I'll tell you, we couldn't have done it without Dick Lee. Absolutely not been able to. He knows how to do and he knows where and who and everything else. So I have to thank Dick a lot. 
Yeah, I do too for the work he's done. But the only flaw he has, uh, Dr. Ross, is that he was a Ballard Beaver. <laughs> and uh, he lost to Bob Flowers in the championship game. So uh, <clears throat> I just read that too. That was the 1961 Garfield. God, I just read it the other day. Garfield 68, yep. Ballard 51, something like that. Yes. Um, yeah. That, but, but he's that a good guy. Right. Huh? That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he. We could not have done this without yeah. Dick, and you know, and we have to thank him for all that. He just knew everybody where to go and so on. Um, a couple of the food trucks, so that you know, are also uh, Garfield grads, and that makes it even more fun. Um, and those food trucks are all going to be down in the parking area of that faces the. Um, Quincy Jones Performance Center with an area below the flagpole that's you know, tables and people can sit around there too. Um, no food, no drink on the athletic field. Let's see what else. Well, another main thing is that Quincy Jones will not be here. That's a question I'm getting all the time. Is okay. Quincy Jones going to be here? No, but there will be what, Lynn? He will be here in, on video? It, it's an, you know, go to the website. Or today, there uh, the constant contact went out to what three thousand people or so, and Quincy's picture is right on the front. And then he starts and he talks about how wonderful Garfield is in every way. It's really a great video. I'm I'm very impressed. I'm very sorry he couldn't come, but um, he is 89 years old, and with COVID and so on, it was he's not doing any traveling. So we're just grateful that we have the video. And yeah. it's wonderful. So, so uh, the, well, the other person I was expecting to be here was Dr. Ross Flowers, but he has uh, all those uh, young ones are involved in a myriad of activities. It's like Mickey and Bob Flowers had he and his brother, Dr. Chris Flowers, involved in a myriad of activities. And uh, uh, both of those Flowers brothers are smart as they can get out. They both have doctors in front of their name. And uh, I think uh, your brother is running uh, some cancer institute now in Houston. So although he went to Lakeside, though, <clears throat> and he was the smartest one in the school back in those days as well. So, Lynn, in terms of uh, the parking and stuff like that, people just come first come, first serve. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, there's there's parking here and there. But in, I mean, if anybody knows about Garfield, you know that there's no great amount of parking lot. Garfield was built hundred years ago and there weren't a whole lot of cars out there in those days so Seattle schools don't have parking um, so my suggestion is you know meet up with a few friends someplace where you can park your car and uber or take the bus and that's really the best way to do it I think yeah, have a designated driver and, and families or groups of individuals who come at one time and be let out and then doesn't go right. park the car or come back and get them when they get ready to leave. Well, so, I know uh, that my daughter and, and family are coming. And we all live in West Seattle, so, you know, it's hard to get out of West Seattle. So they're taking the water taxi okay. and walking a few blocks to a bus. The bus goes by Garfield. Mm -hmm. so that's, you know, really nice way to go. So, right. 
you got to be, be creative to get there, I think. But You're it, right about that. It's going to be a great day, and it's not going to be 90 degrees, so we should be happy about that. Well, Ross, I got to send you one of these Centennial shirts, and then Terry Northern can has another little bulldog in the front on the back that's straight out of Garfield. Oh, yeah. So some of my friends like Roman Williams are wearing his already. So anyway, well, uh, yeah, all the merchandise, there's going to be a lot of merchandise and uh, Maureen, who is the head of the uh, merchandise, has had orders uh, up until a couple days ago. I mean, she's selling right off online type thing. And so lots of people are going to be wearing the shirts and buying more. Okay, I'm looking forward to getting one. I'm going to send you one, brother. I'm going to send you a centennial and a straight out of Garfield. So you have both of them. I appreciate it. Okay, well, look, we're out of time for this segment. Dr. Ross Flowers, thank you. I'm sorry you won't be able to be here in person, but I know you'll be here in spirit. And the centennial, Garfield Centennial Chair, Lynn uh, Jaffe, thank you very much for all the work you did over the years to bring this event on. So thank both of you. Thank you, Eddie Dion. Appreciate the time. Okay, uh, Eric, we'll take that break and come right back. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail Station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Ride back at Urban Forum Northwest. I want to thank Jonte Robinson. Uh, she is the director of the Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Diversity, and Inclusion, and a sponsor of. Uh, uh, the 59th anniversary commemoration of the 1963 March on Washington, D.C. And I also see that we have Toshiko Hasegawa on the line, but you'll be just a little later, ma'am. Uh, we talked about the Garfield uh, reunion a minute ago, but you'll be on shortly. So uh, uh, recently, uh, Juan Huey Ray, the founder of the Sound of the Northwest, passed away. 
Uh, Rodney Figaro has been a choir member with those guys for over 20 years. He's also a board member. Uh, Juan Huey Ray's service will be at First AME tomorrow, Friday at 11 o'clock a.m. Uh, at First AME in Seattle. So I want to let folks know that. So keep uh, him in your, you know, keep in your memories and his family in your prayers. So uh, Rodney Figaro, why don't you share with us uh, uh, your experience with uh, Juan Huey Ray and also being a member of the Sound of the Northwest. You have to. Okay. Thank, thank you for having me on. Thank you for having me on, Eddie. And uh, thank you for your love and support uh, throughout and uh, future engagements uh, with the Sound of the Northwest. Um, I've been with the Sound of the Northwest since, I think, 1997. And I was uh, with a choir member, director, Cora Jackson. And, and we came together with the Sound of the Northwest. We've done uh, several concerts together with the Sound of the Northwest, composers like Moses Hogan, Roland Carter, um, Chester Harrison, Jackie Harrison. And what happened, we got together with AME Choir and the Fame Choir, and we done something together. And one, uh, when we departed and went back to our uh, areas of uh, choirs, uh, one wanted us to stay on and join their choir. And since 1997, I've been with the choir. I was a, uh, I'm a uh, tenor two. He has always believed in, in all his singers. He has supported us through, a, through and through. Um, the last thing I heard about Juan, about if it's come down to negativity, was uh, the last year uh, when he was with the group. And we were in the middle of rehearsing. And he basically said, I sit down, I have something to tell you. And basically his thing was, he said, he can't do this anymore. Uh, that was probably maybe one of the few negative words I heard from Juan. Uh, when he said he couldn't do it anymore, he could not do it anymore. From the day I met this man, he, uh, there was no negativity in him. He had belief in each and every one of us. When he was with Moses Hogan, when Moses Hogan was uh, directing our choir, we sang in a song tomorrow, My Soul's Been Anchored in the Lord. Uh, as we were rehearsing and there was a few notes off a little bit and Moses Hogan got on us, Juan Huey Ray stuck right by us and he said, I'll take responsibility. That's what I taught my choir. <laughs> as of last week, last week when you had Shirley Young on and she talked about the ovation at Carnegie Hall. If you remember, Eddie, in 2012, when you invited us on your show, and you interviewed one, and I was one of the guys that were interviewed, and you asked me the question, what was my feeling about going to Carnegie Hall? And I said, it doesn't matter where I go. I said that uh, I would uh, be ready at each and every time. And believe me, at Carnegie Hall, they gave us four or five standing ovations at Carnegie Hall. And that's all because of Juan Huey Ray. Um, well, that's a great story. Uh, Jess LeHead has joined us as well. So we want to have an opportunity to make some remarks about Juan Huey Ray and the choir. Good Even afternoon. He's in Oklahoma Eddie. somewhere now. <laughs> <laughs> right. On my way to Seattle, though, for this tremendous tribute to Juan Huey Ray. And let me, and I appreciate Rodney giving all the background about Carnegie Hall and the kind of director he was. Juan Huey Ray, one of the most 
kind and compassionate men that I know, next to my husband, of course. <laughs> but one was a gentleman at all times who expected from us that same level of behavior and carriage. He was a tremendous spiritual, mm -hmm. choir-oriented gentleman who always didn't demand it, but expected that same level of behavior from us. Mm -hmm. And we've all felt so proud to be in his choir, which required musical excellence, of course, the ability to harmonize, of course, but it was about our decorum. It was about our carriage. It was about our believing the songs that we sang. And so he became a pillar in the music community around this country. And we did performances, of course, for our local fans, but we did performances all over the state, all over the nation, and even internationally. And he let it be known by his behavior and his carriage mm -hmm. that he expected us to represent the songs that we sang, to represent the message in the songs that we sang, to represent the people in the town from which we came. Uh, and if ever there was a tent of dissension, Juan would go individually to that person and they would work it out and the dissension would disappear. He never had to speak to us about mm -hmm. our collective behavior, but we knew well what was expected of us. He was a giant. He was a giant in his own time, in his own personage, but an extremely humble man, never bodacious, or bragful or prideful about the excellence that he had created, but he expected it of us and we knew intuitively to deliver. Though if we ever were askant <laughs> or askew, if you will, you know, he had that look, he had that way and we would correct whatever it was that was amiss, but he was, an extremely kind, gentle, genteel gentleman. I knew him from, I joined the choir, oh, so many years ago, though, of course I was a teenager, but, <laughs> and I also worked with him in Olympia where he was the head eventually of the bureau that oversaw licensing of people of color and other other minorities. Um, and I, of course, uh, worked in the governor's office, but so he was always professional in his carriage. No one would ever have known that we knew each other personally. And Burris built a wonderful foundation for the generations that follow. And so that's what we, Sound of the Northwest, hope to do is to continue his legacy of the Sound of the Northwest representing the best in acapella music, the best in Negro spirituals, and the best examples of 
portraying that excellence. I would say, as, as Rodney indicated, that our going to Carnegie Hall was perhaps our most infamous concert. And I think we'll go down in history in having sung a cappella music, Negro spirituals. Uh, we got many, as Rodney said, standing ovations, which is somewhat um, not a rarity in Carnegie Hall, but for the music that we presented, we made such a statement that it made a true dent in their musical history. Okay, we're just about out of time. I want to make sure that people <laughs> remember that uh, at First AME Church in Seattle tomorrow, yeah, Friday yeah. at 11 o'clock a.m., yeah. the service, Memorial Service Celebration of Life of Juan Huey Ray. I want to thank Rodney Figaro, a board member of the Sound of the Northwest and a 20-plus year member, and yeah. Jeff Ted, who also got started early on and made all the trips with him. So uh, thank you guys very much. I look forward to seeing you both tomorrow at First AME. So thank you thank very much. Thank you so much for thank this you, opportunity. Annie. Good seeing okay. you too, Eddie. All right. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, we're going to transition now. I think Toshiko Hasegawa was on the line. Yes, I'm here. Hello. Okay. Well, you missed the Garfield part because you're one of the speakers at the Centennial. So I want you to take a minute <laughs> just to talk about Garfield before we go to uh, uh, to the uh, the August 28th event that's going to be in 1960, the 1959th anniversary of the 63 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. So uh, Toshiko, why don't you go right here with everybody else, please mute their uh, microphones. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I'm sorry I'm late. That's my fault. I thought that I was on at 2.30. <laughs> Excuse well, you me. On, you were on twice today. All right. <laughs> <laughs> once for Garfield Centennial and once for the 59th anniversary of the 63 March on Washington. Excellent. Well, um, well, you know, it's it's a, just a proud, proud weekend to be a member of the community. Um, we all reflect upon the Central District as a historically Black neighborhood. Indeed, it was. Um, little told is it was also a historically Japanese-American um, neighborhood mm -hmm. as well, because of that history of redlining, the communities of color mm -hmm. were largely clumped together. And so was born our tremendous history of interracial collaboration. I think it's prudent in today's day and time, particularly with the heightened anti-Asian sentiment, with heightened anti-Blackness still running through our communities, that, that we reflect upon that history of collaboration and that we stand on the, the strong shoulders and the strong hips of giants in our communities who demonstrated what it was to stand up, not just for each other, but yes. with each other in collaboration, hand in hand, arm in arm. Um, and we have a wonderful demonstration um, uh, of, of community solidarity in, within our Garfield High School community, which is located in the heart of the Seattle Central District. And, you know, Garfield has, has many, many stories to tell, but upon reflection, I realized that um, it's Garfield where I found my voice, is Garfield <laughs> demonstrated to me um, the power and the importance um, of being a part of something much larger than yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and if not for the formative experiences that I had um, in, in those early years as, as a 14-year-old to an 18-year-old, I quite frankly don't mm -hmm. know that I would be Commissioner Hasegawa today. I don't know that I would be in a place to be able to lead as a public servant. 
Um, she is a Seattle Port Commissioner, y'all. Don't want everybody to know in case you didn't know. Hello. <laughs> right, so, right. Uh, with everybody that's not speaking, please mute your microphone. I'm the, I've, as I'm the first Asian woman ever elected in its over 100-year history to serve at the Port of Seattle Commission. I took office at the same time as my sister, Hamdi Mohammed, who is the first Black woman and the first Muslim to be elected to the Port of Seattle Commission in its over 100-year history. And that achievement would not be possible if not for the legacy of advocacy that came from our elders. And in fact, um, I, I'd be remiss if not to reflect. When I first considered getting involved in the public arena, sometimes you think, well, do I want to be on the official side? Do I like working behind the scenes on the campaign side? I had a mentor take me under her arm. Her name was Representative Sharon Tomiko Santos. Um, and it was um, it was through her that I was introduced to none other than our, our gracious host, Eddie Rye. Um, these are the types of elders, these are the types of giants who understand that the work outlives any one of us, that they take youth under their arm and show them the ropes of what it means to meaningfully organize something that will outlast all of us. And so I'm very proud, you know, to start off to have started off as an MC for these sorts of events, for the for the commemoration of either assassination of Dr. King or the the the, the anniversary of the of the March on Washington for Jobs and Justice, um, to now be able to be a speaker, right? To now have graduated as um, as a separately elected official, only for the works of the many mentors who came along the way. So, um, my hope and my goal for this um, to be told that I'd be winning an award in, in public um, leader in public service. Um, my only goal is that there be a youth there who sees that and says, I can do that, um, because that's how that, that work lives on. It's not about me, but it's about the inspiration. It's about the flame that was took to my candle that I might take it to another's. And so with deep, deep gratitude, I'm so pleased to be invited to participate once again. Thank you very much, Seattle Port Commissioner Tesh Choshiko Haskell, who was one of the original members of the Seattle King County Martin Luther King Jr. Commemoration Committee. And she was our regular MC at several events. And now she's being rewarded for all the good work she's done. So we have uh, Hayward Evans. Is Hayward on the line? Hayward is the co-convener of the MLK Commemoration Committee. I'd like to have him just uh, take a few minutes and kick off what's going to be happening at 2.30 uh, at the Martin Luther King Jr. Civil Rights Memorial Park. Uh, thank you for having me, Eddie. And Toshiko. Commissioner, we are so proud of you. I'm telling you, the community is extremely, extremely proud of you and your accomplishments. And this is only you just a, a small step in your career, because I'm looking now at the governor's office. It'd be nice to have Toshiko Hasegawa in the governor's office, in my opinion, because, you know, I wanted you to run for the state representative. But, hey, it's great to have you at the port. So thank you very much. Uh, this Sunday, August 28th, marks the 59th anniversary of the March on Washington for jobs and freedom. Now, I know most people associate it with the fact that uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. did his iconic speech, I Have a Dream. But what people really need to understand is that because of that speech, because of that march, where over a quarter million people showed up, uh, President Johnson's hand was twisted. And he had to uh, put together the 1964, or bills were signed, the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And then a year later, the 1965 Voting Rights Act. And this is, is large part or due primarily to the, uh, that, the uh, that 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. Now what do we see? It's 59 years later. 
And what are we witnessing? We're witnessing an increase in voter suppression. We had an attempted coup on January 6th. The Supreme Court just recently, what did they do? They subverted a woman's right to choose. Mass shootings are going on, but did they do anything about gun violence? No, not really. Increased poverty and homelessness. Just drive around the, the streets of Seattle and you see all the homelessness. This, this uh, rally this Sunday is to say enough is enough. Come on, it's time for people to step up and get engaged. Get engaged with the issues that are impacting our community, but also to recognize those people, Eddie, who've put in so much time uh, in order for us to, to get where we are and to at least try to maintain it. So we're gonna be giving out some awards there. These are people that truly deserve the honor that have carried the banner of equality and humanity for us, the, 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 the true street fighters. And again, one of them, she just spoke, uh, 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 Commissioner Toshiko Hasegawa on the Port of Seattle. She's receiving the uh, Ake Kurose Public Service Award. And we're very proud of it. She's come all the way through the ranks with the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee. And then we have uh, uh, Claudia Kaufman, I mean, a lot of people out there know Claudia. She uh, was with the Muckleshoot tribe. I think she just she just won the uh, um, the primary election for her to be part of the general election. I think she's running for Senate. Is that correct, Eddie, in the 46th? Uh, I think it's the 47th. She's running against a black Republican by the name of Bill Boyce. Yeah, and, and yeah, we got another Clarence Thomas, huh? <laughs> okay, out there. Yeah, the brother needs to sit back, but she should win. But she's going to be receiving... The Roberto Maestas Community Leadership Award, well-deserved by her. I mean, she's done a lot on behalf of all the communities of color um, and, and white people, for that matter, pushing that envelope forward for humanity. Then we have uh, our own Michelle Merriweather, who's our fiscal agent, president and CEO of the Seattle Urban League. She'll be receiving the Edwin T. Pratt Community Service Award. And if anybody remembers, Edwin T. Pratt was the executive director of the uh, Urban League was murdered when he moved to Shoreline and they never found his murder to this very day. Hey, what I would like to have uh, Minister Jimmy Hurd. I know he has limited time and he's our host, our member and the senior pastor at uh, Holgate Street Church of Christ uh, where uh, the reception will be held. So I wanted to get make sure that he had an opportunity to make some comments now uh, before he had to dash off to his other responsibilities. So, Minister Jimmy Hurd, go right ahead. Thanks, Eddie. Appreciate it. I appreciate you and uh, Hayward and your efforts in particular to recognize you know, our unsung heroes. Uh, there are many, many names you know, throughout our history, both nationally and locally, who you all are acknowledging, who have made quite a contribution uh, to our community. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, we're glad to host the uh, reception following the event on Sunday afternoon. And we uh, at the Holgate Street Church of Christ, we're actually celebrating 50 years, actually 51 years of being on the corner of South Holgate Street and Martin Luther King Way. So this church, uh, this congregation started as a merger between two other churches in the central area. And that was um, 51 years ago. And I was there at the time, grew up at this church and, and have an opportunity to serve it. And so we, we want to continue to be a community center. This is your community center. And just, just emphasizing uh, this event, and in particular, um, the churches and ministers who, who actually 
were the key leaders. Uh, you know, Dr. King, he was a preacher. You know, Ralph Abernathy was a preacher. Others are preachers. And it's our churches historically that that have been at the, at the center of social change. And, and one, of the, one of the reasons is that churches were one of the few institutions and organizations that Blacks could actually own and operate. And so I want to bring that uh, to our conscience. Um, also, I want to mention, too, that I think uh, from our churches come the values that really have driven our movements, uh, values such as freedom, uh, values such as love, values such as nonviolence, uh, overcoming evil with good, uh, the, the belief in God who, who uh, we trust in and we believe is operating on our behalf for that which is right. And so I'm, I'm proud to be in the lineage of, of preachers who, who constantly try to, to do things for good. And so we're, we're really glad to uh, host this event and other events that's going to contribute to our community. Uh, Pastor Jimmy Hurd, Minister Jimmy Hurd, thank you very much. Uh, hey, well, why don't you uh, uh, talk about a couple more of the awardees on, on uh, Sunday? Okay, thank, thank you, Eddie, and thank you, Minister Hurd. Um, that the Church of uh, Christ has been great for us. Holgate Street Church of Christ has been absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, the next award is the Edwin T. Pratt, we said that, goes to uh, Michelle Merriweather over at the uh, Urban League. And then uh, 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 Bridget Hampstead, she'll be receiving the Odessa Brown Humanitarian Award uh, for over seven years, eight years. She's been sponsoring events with uh, Sierra Sisters where they do educational programs for uh, breast cancer awareness. And in fact, they just had a big um, a big gathering up in Skyway at the uh, uh, grocery outlet where they were doing free mammograms and handing out um, uh, information regarding uh, breast cancer, particularly in communities of color. Uh, next, we have Tricia Marie Wallenskopf. Did I say that correct, Eddie? The lady out of Tacoma, she's the founder and CEO of Legally Black. And she's going to be receiving the Berlin Jones Advocate Leadership Award. And then we have uh, Reverend, uh, Reverend Dr. Samuel Barry McKinney. Clergy Leadership Award is going to Bishop Zachary Bruce Sr. from Freedom Church in Skyway, Washington. And then last, uh, or then um, our own Seattle Mayor Bruce Harrell will, will be receiving the Sam Smith Elected Official Outstanding Achievement Award. Well deserved by Bruce, I should say. And then the last award, but not least, Bernie White Bear Living Legacy Award will be going to Claude Burfecht. Uh, he's with King County Labor and the first vice president of the NAACP, but he has a lifetime of community service. But but if I can just say, you know, this event really, it's about um, uh, hopelessness is, is the enemy to justice. And looking at some of these past statistics right now, Eddie, we're seeing what's going on in terms of mental health. And we have a mental health crisis in communities of color, but this gives people an opportunity to see those folks who've been out there doing positive things in our community, the true change makers. And they, they can see that, that we do have people that are fighting on their behalf and we're, and we're not giving up. Yeah. And I wanna just, say that uh, uh, Gabriel Prawl, who is the president of Seattle, uh, A. Philip Randolph Institute, was to be online, and so was our, our speaker, Reverend Leslie, Dr. Leslie Braxton from New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. And knowing, you know, uh, the schedules and what comes up, uh, if you're leading an organization or 
you know, churches, uh, every member is important and all family members are important. So, but uh, Reverend Braxton is an outstanding speaker and he will be one of the speakers that we have. We'll also have uh, Lim Howell, who actually attended the 1963 March on Washington, retired attorney uh, here. Uh, then uh, Butch Harrison will be doing some uh, playing. He's bringing his keyboards and his, his saxophone. Uh, Chandler Williams, another Garfield graduate who transferred from Kennedy Catholic High School to uh, Garfield to pursue music, and he's done an outstanding job. But I want to go back to, to Seattle Port Commissioner Toshiko Hasegawa and to have her talk about why is it important for us to continue to march and protest? She must be on another call. I'm right yes, here. No, I'm sorry about that. I'm still here. You won't get rid of me that easy. You never oh, have. You know, the, the reason why it's, it's important that we continue to march and protest is because, um, is because our right to do so is on the line. If you don't stand up for what your rights are, they will be taken away. That, that the, the, the paradigm of our country is founded upon the marginalization and the oppression of anybody in this country who is not a cisgendered, straight, Christian, white male. And repeatedly throughout history, they try to infringe upon our rights. And the only way we're going to do that is if we get together and we organize and we demand um, and we demand change and justice and progress. There are so many different ways to make change. There's so many ways to plug into an effort, but you speak louder when you speak in unison with others. So that power of collective voice and that power of collective action is power returned to the people that government is meant to serve and to represent. Um, and But the thing about these days is that as much as there is that troubles us is the other side of that coin is that people don't get mobilized when they think everything's fine. People mobilize when they're pissed off, when they're angry. Um, and that's, and that's, that's the power of being able to convert pain into action. We need to harness that and we need to move in unison with each other to stand up again in solidarity with one another towards, towards action. There's plenty of fight to pick. It's time to pick up, uh, pick, pick up the tools and get to work. Uh, very well said. Hayward, is there anything that we left out of, uh, of the event uh, for, for 2.30? And you said it's going to last probably uh, 90, 90 minutes. minutes. Yes, two, uh, 90 minutes. And, uh, and we'll have folks one. are going to be speaking like for five minutes at a time. And then Pastor Braxton will have like five minutes more than that. We'll have some music by Butch Harrison, Chandler Williams, and another person to be ID'd later this afternoon. That, that's it. And again, it's going to be 2.30 Sunday at Martin Luther King Civil Rights Memorial Park. But I like what uh, Commissioner Hasegawa had to say. Again, there's so many issues that we're facing now. So whatever you're passionate about, we're saying get off the couch and come on out and do it for the issue that you're concerned with because there's, there's so much going on. And we, there, there was seriously an opportunity that we would have an authoritarian government. This stuff is very real. And this is about oh, you, your kids, the future. Yeah. Uh, Carolyn Riley Payne, uh, president of Seattle King County NAACP, will also be one of the speakers. I think she'll be dress, uh, addressing the issue of a uh, woman's right to choose uh, the Roe v. Wade uh, 
decision has blown up in some folks' faces because they just thought sure that uh, Kansas want to be supporting uh, their right-wing positions, and they were really surprised to find out that uh, a lot of the women did not go for it, and they won by like 38%, uh, which was great uh, because uh, justice is needed everywhere. Well, with me, what got me, Eddie, when I was reading the uh, the Beck uh, Hopelessness Scale Report and the uh, State of Mental Health in America, their 2021 report, and they were saying uh, homelessness or hopelessness and mental health in general in communities of color have increased substantially. And this is something that really needs to be addressed. And, uh, and, that, and that's all those various issues that are impacting us. People are feeling hopeless out there. We're saying there's some people here that are fighting on your behalf. We want to honor them. These, these social justice change makers, like uh, uh, Commissioner Hasegawa and, and, the, and the others. And this is the time for you to come out and share your concerns. Mayor Harold's going to be there to pick up his award. Come on out and share your concerns and enjoy the event. And the reception. And I want to say that uh, we are asking brothers to come and be look at, to be lookouts because we know that white supremacists are looking for uh, opportunities to bump uh, black folks and people of color off. And they usually come to where we're gathering. So uh, I've talked to uh, some of the folks, some retired black firefighters and others with military experience to come out and make sure that we have a safe venue without having anybody coming in to disturb us. So uh, 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 Commissioner Hasegawa, is there any closing remarks you'd like to make? No, just that we have so many stories to tell. And I've always found that this has been a venue for so many people from so many different walks of life to come and share their experience. It's been a wonderful program in the past. And to get together in person outside in the summertime in Seattle is is, is always something special. So I really encourage people to bring their families, you know, show show your neighbors and show your kids about uh, what the the the, the energy of, of collective mobilization is all about. And we look forward to receiving you. And uh, Representative Sharon Tomiko Santos says she will be there to witness you being uh, uh, getting in the Aki Carosa Award. I know that on Saturday during the Garfield Centennial, uh, I know that's the Aki Carosa cleanup day out at the middle school. Uh, I did see Paul, but we didn't have a chance to talk at the Dorothy Hongsworth service today. But uh, I know you can be in two places at one time, Toshiko. <laughs> you can clean up, clean up and, and put your hair down and get be back in Garfield at, at one o'clock <laughs> so you can speak. So we really, really appreciate the job you're doing. I want to give a shout out to all the poor commissioners. Uh, they seem to be headed in the right direction. And I sure hope that Steve Metric, the executive director of the port, is, is taking your advice. You and Sam and, and, and Hamdi and Ryan and, and Fred, you guys are the bosses. And uh, so I want to want to thank you. And uh, 2.30 on uh, Sunday at Martin Luther King Memorial Civil Rights Park. Uh, we look to see you there. Thank all of you for participating today. And I will see you tomorrow, Toshiko. I mean, Saturday and Sunday, Toshiko. <laughs> okay. And uh, so thank you very much, uh, Eric. We're going to take this break and bow on out. Thank you. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. 
The port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Need help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150. Okay, Eddie Ride back at Urban Forum Northwest. I also want to give a shout out of condolence to uh, uh, Debbie Jackson, who is the sister of uh, Joe Jones and the aunt of uh, Dr. Brent Jones, the Seattle School Superintendent. And she passed away. And her service will be uh, Thursday, September 1st, 11 o'clock at New Beginnings Christian Fellowship, where the Reverend Dr. Leslie D. Braxton is a senior pastor. I want to thank uh, Sound Transits, uh, uh, Office of Civil Rights, Diversity, and Inclusion, headed up by uh, John T. Robinson. I want to thank uh, the Port of Seattle's uh, Diversity Contracting Office, headed up by Mian Rice, assisted by Lawrence Coleman and Rick uh, 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 Josie Regan. And I want to thank the uh, City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Office, headed up by Liz Alzier. Uh, once again, uh, at 2 o'clock, 2.30, I should say, Sunday uh, at the Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Civil Rights Memorial Park, uh, observance of the 59th anniversary of the 1963 March on Washington for jobs and uh, freedom will be happening. And we have a number of people who will be speaking and also entertaining. And then on Saturday, if you're a bulldog, show up at Garfield from 9.30 to 5. The mini reunions will be from 9.30 to 11. And after 11 o'clock, there'll be scripted programs, but there'll be various events going on throughout uh, the campus on the field, as well as in the Quincy Jones Auditorium. So this has been Eddie Ryan with another edition of Urban Forum Northwest. Eric, thank you very much, and have a good weekend. Yeah.